a group of Hasidim known as the Hasidim of Kotsk had a beautiful legendary parable, a moshel, that they shared. Apparently, the Kotzka Hasidim related, in the times of the Beis HaMikdosh, there was an elderly Jew who, despite living his whole life at the same time that the Beis HaMikdosh stood, and watching Jews, Be'oyle Regal, go up to the Beis HaMikdosh three times a year, he himself had never actually gone to the Beis HaMikdosh. Though he had heard tremendous stories and legends about it, he'd never seen it. And so, as he was getting on in years and moving toward the sunset of his life, he decided, that's it. I got to go and check out this Beis HaMikdosh. After all the miracles and amazing things I've heard about it, I have to go and see it myself. And so he does. And as an, so as an elderly Jew, he makes the pilgrimage and goes to the Beis HaMikdosh. He opens the door to the Beis HaMikdosh, and not knowing what to expect, not knowing what he would see, after hearing so much about the grandeur and the holiness of the Beis HaMikdosh, he's completely shocked at what he sees. He sees young men running around in short pants with large pieces of meat, blood being sprayed in all different directions. The smell of meat cooking fills the entire room and fills his nostrils, and people are shouting instructions back and forth. In his great horror, instead of holiness and divinity, all he saw was young men, half-dressed, throwing around blood and cooking meat. And so in disgust and in the tremendous, tremendous anticlimactic disappointment, the man spits on the floor and goes, This place looks nothing more. This is a butchery. A butchery, the man says. I have plenty of those in my own, my own hometown. No need to come all the way here. And with that, he left. And the Kotzka Hasidim would relate the story because they would say, you see, if you don't know what it is that you're looking at, if you don't understand and appreciate the context, if you come into something unprepared, you can literally be standing and looking into the base of Mikdosh, watching Koyhanim serve Hashem as they offer up korbonis and fulfill some of the most exalted and holy mitzvahs. But if your glasses are off, all, your, all you'll see is a dirty butchery and you'll leave it in disgust. There's a posuk in this week's parsha, Parshas Noyach, that highlights this idea. The Torah talks about how Noyach, after the flood, planted a vineyard and got drunk. When he got drunk, he was, he was rolling around, as a drunken person tends to do, inside his tent, in a state of complete inebriation. And his son Chom becomes aware and defiles him in the most ugly of ways. But Shem and Yefes, Noach's two sons who were tzaddikim, they take a garment and they cover, they cover their father. The Posik says that they took, Shem and Yefes take a garment. They put it on their shoulders. They walk backwards. And they cover the nakedness of their father. They face backwards. The ervas avihem loiro, the nakedness, the humiliation, the 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 denigration of their father, they do not see. And the Hasidic masters explain that when the Torah says they didn't see the nakedness of their father, it doesn't just mean that they didn't physically see it. After all, the pasuk has already said they walked backwards, they faced backwards, they turned around. When it says they didn't see the nakedness of their father, it's talking about their psychological and mental state of being. They didn't focus, they didn't see the deficiency of their own father. They didn't see a man in humiliation. 
They didn't see a person who had just in the beginning of the parsha saved the world and now was suffering some type of terrible state of collapse. Instead, they didn't see any of that. Instead, all they saw strictly, uniquely, all they saw was their job. Why did the Rabbanu put me here? What is it that I'm supposed to do? They saw their job, their mission was to cover and restore their father and restore his dignity. And so that's all they did. When they were done, they went, they, they moved on with their lives. And they didn't pursue, even mentally and psychologically, any more analysis on what had happened. Erva Saviyam Loiro doesn't just mean they didn't physically see their father's nakedness. It means that they didn't reflect on his, on his negativity, on his downfall. They didn't see in him a, 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 a person who had failed in life. They weren't thinking about that. They weren't reflecting on that. They saw what it is that they had to do, and that was what they did. Very briefly, I believe, this gives us tremendous insight into Noach's reaction when he wakes up. The Torah says, Noach, Noach wakes up, and he discovers what's been done to him by his, by his, by his son, Chom. By Yomer, the Pesach says, and when Noach realizes what Chom did to him, the commentaries argue what exactly Chom did. Either Chom was, was, um, was intimate with him, um, physically intimate with him, um, as of course is, is strictly forbidden um, in, in that sense, or Chom actually removed from Noach the ability to have any more children. Seriously, he, he, he sterilized him. Be it as it may, when Noach wakes up and he realizes what has happened, what has happened, the Posik says, Vayoimer, and Noach said, Or Knan, may Canaan be cursed. And all the commentaries jump in their seats. Canaan? What's Canaan got to do with this? Canaan is the fourth and youngest son of Chom. But he's not even, at least on the surface, he's not even part of the story. Noach had three sons, Shem, Chom, and Yafes. Chom is the middle son. Chom is the one who disgraced and, 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 and defiled his father, or, or even handicapped him, even wounded him. Shem and Yefes were the ones who treated their father with dignity. And yet, when Noach wakes up, he curses Canaan. Canaan is actually his grandson. What's Canaan got to do with it? All right, Rashi brings two explanations. Rashi says, according to one opinion, Canaan was the first one who discovered that Noach was lying there in this uh, humiliated state. In fact, Canaan was the one who ran to tell his father, Chom, about what it is that was going on with Noach. So Noach became aware of this. He cursed his grandson, Canaan. Or according to another opinion, Rashi says, as I mentioned, Chom removes from his father the ability to have more children. So Noach says, I wanted to have a fourth son after Shem, Chom, and Yefes. And now because of Chom, I cannot do it. So Noach curses Chom's fourth son. Chom's fourth son is Canaan. All right. But then if you look after that in Rashi, there's a fascinating, fascinating two words in Rashi. You can read it a hundred times and you can miss it. When after Noach curses Canaan, he blesses his two sons, Shem and Yefes. Shem, of course, is the ancestor of the Jewish people. And he says, Baruch Hashem Shem, may the God of shame be blessed. And Rashi says, She'osid lishmor haftachosay lazaroi, loseis lohem es eretz kanan. Noyach blesses his son shame that one day Almighty God would fulfill his promise and give his descendants, the Jewish people, the land of Canaan, referring, of course, to Eretz Yisrael. The Gemara articulates this very clearly in Masech the Sanhedrin, in that famous story where in the presence of Alexander the Great, Masech the Sanhedrin, in the presence of Alexander the Great, the Gemara says, the descendants of Africa 
come before Alexander and they contest the Jewish people's right to own the land of Eretz Yisrael. And they say, Eretz, this land, Eretz Yisrael, Eretz Canaan is ours, the descendants of Africa. Why? They said, because we are the descendants of a man called Canaan. And the Torah refers to Eretz Yisrael as Eretz Canaan. So if it belongs to Canaan, say the descendants of Africa, in the presence of Alexander the Great, and we, the descendants of Africa, are descendants of Canaan, Eretz Yisrael belongs to us. Alexander the Great, says the Gemara, asked the Jews to send an attorney and make their case. A man named Gviho ben Psiso presented himself before Alexander. And he quoted this very posuk in our Parsha. Yes, said Gviho ben Psiso, yes, said the attorney on behalf of the Jewish people. It's true. The Torah refers to the land of Israel as Eretz Canaan. But the Torah also says in Parshas Noach that when Noach woke up from his, from his drunken stupor and realized what had happened to him while he was inebriated, Vayoymer and Noach said, Oror Knan, Knan is cursed. Eved avodim He's a slave to his brothers. Said Gviyah ben Psisa in the presence of Alexander the Great, it's true that the land of Eretz Yisrael once belonged to Canaan, but Canaan was cursed by Noach, his grandfather, to be an Eved Avodim, to be a servant, to be a slave to his brothers, to his uncles, Shem and Yefes. Shem is our great-grandfather, say the Jews. Everything that belongs to a slave belongs to his master. The slave himself, in fact, belongs to the master. So by extension, Eretz Yisrael belongs to us. In fact, Kaviyah ben Psisa says, now that we're having this conversation, the Jews are countersuing. We want back pay for all the work that you were supposed to do for us all the way back since the days of Noach. The Talmud says, Alexander the Great challenged the Africans, the Bnei Africa, to defend their case against Kaviyah ben Psisa. They had nothing to say after three days, so they fled, abandoning fields and vineyards filled with fruit and grapes. Actually, the Gemara concludes, it was the year of Shemitah, and so the Jews needed all of this agriculture. What's the Gemara saying? It was this posuk that Noach said, Oror Knan, cursed be Knan, Eved Avodim that put the Jews for the first time, actually, in possession of Eretz Yisrael. In the words of Rashi, She'osid lishmar avtachosay lazaroi, losses lemes Eretz Knan. The Rabboni Shalolem gives the Jews the land, which at one stage, belong to Canaan. I think it's connected to this idea that the Torah is talking about here. That Shem and Yefes don't see the nakedness of their father. They don't see any deficiency in him. You see, from Shem and Yefes' perspective, there was nothing personal here. They didn't allow themselves to become biasedly or selfishly involved. In every situation that they were in, they saw what the will of Hashem is. They did what it is that they were supposed to do. The ervas avihem and they saw nothing more than that. The land of Eretz Yisrael, of course, belongs to the Eden because this is what, this is what the Rabbanu Shlelem says in the Torah. The Jewish people don't claim to hold some kind of a personal stake. It's not ours because we did X, Y, or Z, or it's not ours because of one war or another. It's ours because the Rabbanu Shlelem gave it to us. Elev orechev ve'elev asusim v'anachnu b'shem Hashem. We claim, it's out. We, we, we claim the truth of the Torah. The truth of the Torah is eternal. The truth, in that sense, it's not even personal. Noach wakes up from his sleep 
and he can see that Shem and Yefes, his own two sons, have the ability in this really complicated situation to see clearly and objectively only what it is that is Hashem's mission for creation. And Noach says, you, my dear sons, you are going to be the masters of Canaan. With that, Hashem is going to fulfill His promise and give you the land of Canaan, and the rest of the world will be your slaves. Have a wonderful Shabbos.